Living Mind Season 2. This is your host, Franz Bowen. Season 2. You already know. It's your co-host, Trav Weeks. Word up, G. And happy, um, to happy to be here. Welcome, everybody. We have another ill guest in the building, a, a great friend, a, a hard worker, a visionary. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Word. Do, do that dance, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, owner, ca- uh, owner, co-founder of BXC Studios. Yes, sir. Uh, Kyle Bailey. Yes, sir. You already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. How is everybody doing? <laughs> yeah, we, we doing fine, man. I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm always happy about these type of podcasts because it's so dope when it's somebody that, you know, we uh, we came up with, you know, like the first couple of years in um, New York City. I honestly don't even remember when we met, Kyle. I really don't. <laughs> I remember. You I got, remember? I got like flashbulb memory. I got like that. <laughs> like um, it was at um, Santos Party House. Oh, yeah. matter of fact, I remember. I, I remember. I think I, I came with a young lady, and yes, she, she matter of fact, it's always shout out to the queens out there. Shout yeah. out to the women out there who shout see, out to women. who have vision. You know right. what I mean? Facts. This um, this young young woman. You know what I'm saying? She um, she she told me about college. She was like, "Yo, you need to meet this guy." She was like, "I feel like you guys have like minds that you guys will build." And I came to one of his showcases at um, Santos. With Santos. Santos R.I.P. Santos. That was R. a great R. venue. Yo, great yeah. venue. Great awesome people venue. there. You know what I mean? Shut and um, I met Kyle there. And from there on, seeing what he does, seeing what he does, him and his partner with BXC Studios, BXC Entertainment, BXC Pro Workshop. It's just a multifaceted entertain- entertainment company. It's incredibly inspiring, and um, I'm really happy to have my guy on the podcast today. Thank you, brother. I'm glad to be here. And oh, oh, before we start, I actually brought you guys a gift. You know, I was taught, Ooh, you know, because, you know, I was raised from a Caribbean background. So if you enter, <laughs> if you enter somebody's home, you have to always bring a gift. <laughs> I'm tight. I'm bring the gift. the first time I think somebody brought I had to bring a gift. Was that a Roly? It's a type of beverage that I don't really enjoy, but I know the brothers here. Enjoy, oh, so. yeah. I Talk brought you gentlemen a, a gift for some Jameson. Uh, oh, man. Say, Mr. J. Appreciate this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dang, man. Some whiskey for the guys, man. You, you want to pop this now? Of course we're going to pop this. We got a lot okay. to talk about. Yeah, yo, absolutely, that, yo. <laughs> Word. I'll send one of the interns Word. to get some um <laughs> some cups. Word. We got to yeah. uh, definitely take. Matter of fact, I'm going to go grab some cups real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you think you, hell, hell yeah. You're about to go grab that joint. All right, facts. We're going to take a quick cup break and we back in like two shakes. We'll be back. All right, cool. We back in. You know, before we uh, get this underway, we want to uh, propose a toast. Salute. You know what I'm saying? Salute. Salute. Season two. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you for the uh, lovely gift. Absolutely. You guys are welcome. So this is episode one? Um, It's one of... Okay, one of that. episode episode. (laughs) season two. I thought I was really that special. You remember the word. You know you got it. Got a special and place. Shout out to Jordan team, for being uh, for supporting us. Jordan, show love. Hey, yo. All right, man. So, um, you know, just want to jump into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we know you pretty well, right? Um, and and you've been doing some phenomenal things in in the creative space. So, mm-hmm. just give us a little background. You know, where you from? Okay. Uh, and 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 how you uh kind of fell in and, and snowballed into what BXE is. Okay. Right. Well, that's a very long story, but I, I'll start off with like the basics and stuff in terms of like where I'm from. I'm from New York City, born and raised, you know, um, Caribbean background. You know, my mom, she's from St. Vincent. My father's from Guyana, South America. And, um, you know, regards to me and stuff like that, I would say, you know, a lot of people have like that cliche story where it's like, I knew I wanted to do this from jump, you know? And, um, you know, with BXC, it being like a multimedia company, you know, we have different facets of the company. But I started off more or less in videography. Mm. Kind of came up underneath my uncle or whatever. He used to be like the family videographer that used to like do all the weddings. And like, I don't know if you guys know. like big ass camcorder. Right, right, right. (laughs) Especially in West Indian culture. It's like, (laughs) he always got the go-to man. He was the go-to man for the videos and stuff like that. And I I came up under him and, you know, we used to help him. um, he basically log and capture his videos and stuff. And that kind of gave me like my first entry into that world yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, um, kind of dibbled and dabbled with other things. I actually was a football player, you know, throughout like elementary, junior high school and high school. Oh, got injured. And it was a point in time when I was like actually in high school and I was with my um, guidance counselor and I was actually a semester behind. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit I graduated semester hey, late. I did night school too. Play. Hey, yo, that <laughs> concurrent <laughs> options, Saturday classes. I did it, but I did graduate. 
And um, it was a point in my life where I was just really trying to figure out things, man. Like, my grandmother passed away, who, who raised me, was basically like a mother to me at a point in time in my life. Uh, the guidance counselor who was actually helping me get back on track passed away. But I remember the last thing that they had instilled in me before they left this earth, they were just like, you know, if it's something that you love and it's your passion, then you're not going to work. You're basically going for your passion and stuff like that. And I didn't get it until, you know, I went back and I was like, all right, what do I, what do I really want to do? So... I would say what kind of dawned on me is like right before my grandmother had passed, the same uncle that I did the videography work with, he had a camera that he was trying to like, you know, give away. And my grandmother ended up getting it from him and promised to pay him like $2,000 for the, the camera and stuff, for, you know, so I could pursue my passion and stuff. And um, got the camera. And this was one of the most shittiest cameras ever, man. I got to admit it. The footage on it was horrible. You know, the, uh, the ISO, which is like basically like, I guess you could say the... The light exposure within the camera itself was mm -hmm. completely trash, but I put that camera to work. Nice. And um, from that point on, it was like, you know, when you tell somebody or you make somebody feel that you believe in them before they believe in themselves, that's like the spark. Thanks. And then when they're not around to cheer you on, it's like you feel more dedicated to, you know, prove that person like, all right, cool, you believe in me, this is what I'm doing now. So that's what I've been chasing since then. And I mean, I would say when it came down to like the film side of things, that was obviously like a level up as to where me starting videography. So with that one camera I did, I used to basically shoot a lot of like Pasa Pasa videos <laughs> for like a lot of the Caribbean promoters in Brooklyn. Right, right. But um, it was just something about the style that I would shoot these videos. Like I would get like the yeah, nice mid-range shots, aesthetic. get them in slow motion, low angles. Like I, I really understood film through studying and through just being hungry. Like I, I don't have any form of education in it, but I had a cousin of mine who went to SVA, School of Visual Arts. Mm -hmm. And he was always a, a year ahead of me. So I remember my senior year in high school, I went to Cardozo in Queens and seven other high schools, but that was the one I graduated from. But um, I used to go up to SVA every day, just hungry, just going out there, hanging out, you know, picking the brains of the kids that was going there. Didn't know shit about film, but by the time like I was done hanging out there, I knew pretty much enough to you know, get my foot in it. And I used everything I learned from that with the videography that I did for the Pasta Pasta videos. So, you know, that transitioned into me thinking that I could create a reality show about party promoters. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, everybody in the room, very successful. And, you know, what we do, we go through a lot of success and a lot more failures. So I had one of my first failures. My first failure was um, I wanted to create a reality show about party promoters and couldn't get none of the party promoters on the same page to do it. None of them showed up on time. That's tough. Complete you know, disasters with the events that they tried to show. And first of all, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was just so hungry and passionate about this vision that I thought mm -hmm. it was going to be successful, but it flopped. But in the process of me networking, me and party promoters, getting footage and stuff like that, I met this one dude, um, this Jamaican party promoter, shout out to you, shout out to him. He um, took my card. And I was like, you know, I'm doing this. He completely did not get the idea what I, what I was speaking about, but he just, in his mind, Yo, you're the video man. So I think I was in like in my basement at my mom's crib, you know, completely like just doing nothing with my life. And I got a call from him. He's like, yo, these dudes want to get a music video done. Um, come through to the studio. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Never shot a video before in my life. Music video, that is. But I was like, you know what? I'll go. So I ended up going to the meeting and then I'm meeting um, this group by the name of Breeze and XP. Breeze and SP. Um, they had like a little situation with Epic and they had this single that they were going to release. It was called um, Let's Be Friends. It was the official Blackberry song. Which um, I think it, the song dropped in 2009 or whatever. So they had wanted to put me on or bring me on to shoot the video for them. Yeah. I ain't have no portfolio. Oh, hmm. uh, damn. I'm going to have to reveal this. Anyways, we won't keep it real. <laughs> so I ain't had no portfolio, but you know, I basically told these guys, like, yo, I could get the job done. I could get the job done. I could do it. I could do it. So they was like, all right, show me some work. So, bro, when I said I went back to the bando, I called up my cousin. I called up all my film friends from SVA. I was like, yo, I need to get all of y'all work. We're going to put together a reel, and we're going to sell it to these guys. I got this project. You feel me? I got this project. So went back, um, showed them the stuff. They was impressed. Um, actually, one of the dudes in the group, his pops was the former VP at Epic Records, Mike Burrell. So, um, you know, he had a lot of pulls. So when he saw that, I guess he saw something in the process, which leads into the next transition of my career. But back to this story, which is what kind of like popped me off. So we ended up creating the concert for this music video. We shot it at Jones Beach. We shot it at um, Ralph McDaniel's backyard, um, who created Video Music Box. Okay. He had like oh, this nice. um, pool. So we shot the pool scene there and the video took off. You know, these guys got a joint license deal with um, Blackberry. Oh, wow. um, it was the official um, promotional song for BBM. 
Oh, nice. uh, it was on MTV. It was on BET Jams. And my career, like, I went from being in the fucking basement to charging $200 for a video for me getting budgets like $5,000, $10,000 at like 800, uh, at, um, 18, 19 years old. Oh, nice. That was great. You feel me? It helped me pay for college. Absolutely. And um, I would say with that, it, it was an interesting transition because when you're young and you don't know what you're getting yourself into, you know, you right. definitely crash into a lot of walls. And I did that. Right. You know? That's, that's kind of risky, right? Like, even if somebody telling you and you like, yo, I got to get the real. And I'm, I'm, why that part stuck out to me is I'm like the same way. I did the same shit. You right. Know what I mean? What, what made you want to go and like, you know what? I can make it happen. What made you believe in yourself regardless of the fact that you didn't even have any work done before? Kind of earlier to what I said in terms of just other people believing in me before I believed in myself. Mm. I think the key thing, because this is 2010, my grandmother passed in 2008, and everybody's looking at me like, Kyle, what you going to do next? Because yeah. at her funeral, I made a speech, and I said three things. Two out of three of those things I accomplished. I said I was going to start my own production company, which I did. Um, I said I was going to graduate high school and college, which I did. And I said, I'm going to be the first black director to win an Academy Award for direction, which I haven't accomplished yet. <laughs> and no, no black male has done that yet either. So, you know, God willing, shout out to God. Hopefully you look out for me, but Absolutely. hopefully that will happen. Right. But at that time, I was like zero and three in that promise. So when they had came to me at that, I thought like, yo, this is my opportunity. And with opportunities, you get a lot of them. But not too many people could realize like this is the time for you to go in. A lot of people let them shit pass. So I'm gonna deal about. I'm gonna think about it tomorrow. But um, that was one of those situations where, like I gotta get it now. And I remember specifically when the light bulb had popped off. Like I used to work at um international shops at JFK, which is a duty free shop. Mm -hmm. And when you have a job at the airport, it does two things to you. It either inspires you to travel and venture out to the world, right. or it tells you like yo maybe I'm not right or fit out to do these things which is travel and, exp and expand and do things more than that, yeah, and you stay complacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, me, I was like, yo, I need to get out of here. Like, every time I was there, like, I would meet celebrities. Kanye West came through, Rick Ross. You know, just meet everybody. I was like, yo, I want to be on these planes. I want this to be my lifestyle. So yeah, yeah. when it popped off to me, I was at the register. I was um, ringing up this family from Sweden. They was getting some alcohol and stuff like that. And um, I was just writing down the shot lists and the, over, the overheads for the shots on the back of the receipts. You know, that's how bad I wanted it. So, like, I would ring you up, and, like, with the receipts, like, you could press on the actual register, yeah. and it'll print out, like, some blank sheets, and I would take that out and just write on it. And when I was able to visualize how I wanted to shoot it on paper, it made me believe, like, yo, I could really do this, you know? Mm, and absolutely. that's why, like, articulation and putting your thoughts on paper is so important, because yeah. it's, it's like magic. It's like yeah. the spelling. It's the writing and stuff like that. So that was, like, the trigger moment to answer your question, Trav. That's what it is. Yeah, Erica Badu said that, like, write, write it down on paper and watch shit get real. Yeah, yeah, that's why they hit it, hit it from slavery, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, from slaves. Like, reading and writing, because it's, it's literally power. It's power. There's spiritual power in there. You know, absolutely. 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 I mean, so, look at hieroglyphics. I mean, not, not to get too deep, but look at the hieroglyphics <laughs> and the tombs and stuff like that. Like, like them stories right. come to life when, you know, we see these things. That's a fact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yo, so, um, at, at, at that point, you ha you've experienced, you know, like a, a, a brief moment of success, and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you start to get your name out there. Um, I imagine between then and 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 uh, you know starting BXC, what did you have like a sophomore jinx period or like, yeah, what, definitely. what was that like? This is way before BXC. BXC we started out in two thousand and officially like LLC two thousand and thirteen. Mm -hmm. uh, this part of the story is like two thousand and ten. I went through a lot more before BXC. I mm. went through depression. I went through wanting to quit. I went through changing career paths and stuff and then coming back to it. Mm -hmm. But like if it's meant to be, it finds you. Right. You know, it always comes it, back. It finds you in like little mm -hmm. subtle omens that like pop up That's when you're so not true. even thinking about it. And so at that juncture, how how did um you, you jump back in? What what was that after experiencing, you know, such a high and then some lows, like mm -hmm. what what made you want to say, All right, let me commit to this yeah. this idea that how I How did have. you recover? Uh putting my back against the wall. So so after we shot that video, whatever, which was a very great experience, I learned a lot, and then I lost a lot. You know, in terms of time, money, um, it was like a little legal battle in terms of who was going to get the director credit because I co-directed it with a senior director who had a lot more experience in the industry, and he was trying to jerk me off of my credit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, know, you know, I guess the way I handled the situation through my humility, the same gentleman who I mentioned, Mike Burrell, he ended up allowing me to keep my name on that title. And he could, by him making that decision, it could have made me right there or broke me. Mm -hmm. And by him, like, you know what, I'm not going to do this to this young black brother that's trying to make it in this industry. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let him keep his name on it. it. It ultimately helped me and stuff like that. 
So I took that. Um, I ended up getting an internship with um, Ralphie Daniels. You know, um, he started Video Music Box, Hip Hop Pioneer. Yeah. Um, the whole concept of just video to music, direct to play type situations from him. Mm-hmm. You know, MTV took that from him. But anyways, um, I entered from him. And <laughs> I got fired on my first day of the internship. Damn. Hold on, forgive me. And this is a gentleman who mentored like Hyatt Williams, you know, yeah. Benny Boom, Little X, like all of the people that came out of that box. Yeah. So I was like next in line for that. Like Mike Burrell knew exactly what he was doing, yeah. pairing me up with Ralph. Like I was going to get that, that groom in and then bounce off. The first day of the internship? The first day. <laughs> so basically, we had shot a music video for this artist in the um, Bronx. Because with Ralph, he's very smart. He shoots the video and then he places it on his platform. So you get a, a two-in-one type of situation. So we shot the video, and um, the shoot went very well. You know, um, in terms of me and him, like, we really built a great rapport on that. Like, I realized we have a lot in common. And then on the drive home, he had took out the budget out of his pocket and then threw me, like, $900. Like, yo, this is for you. Just make sure this gets edited, and then I'm going to pop up at the edited session. We're going to wrap this up, and then this is going to be the business relationship. Yeah. So this is – so we shot the Let's – friends video i think in june it released in october so this is around and in october i remember this day specifically this is when hurricane irene was gonna come the year before sandy when it was like oh it's gonna be a big deal and it was it was like nothing yeah. it was like it was that same day we shot the video but anyways um so i took the the 900 and y'all wouldn't even imagine what i did with this oh man <laughs> i bought a pair of the high top pile of the products <laughs> I took, I took, I took wifey, I took wifey at the time on a date, you know, I, what did I take? I think I took it like SDK, you know, couldn't even, couldn't even pronounce the, 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 the truffle butter I was using for the steak, spent like 200 on that, and then I think I had like another $400 on it and just squandered it, like just lived the lifestyle of no, you know, budget and stuff and squandered it, so when it came down to the editing session, I think I had like an intern or this kid that I was working with at the time, I got him to edit it for me free. Yeah. Pocket the money, which is the wrong thing to do. You know, in terms of even with like a budget or your resources, you should always spread it. Right. You know, that's just how work, how how commerce works in a sense. Mm. But it, it excuse me, it came out being a trash video. You know, Ralph came, and I remember when I came because I came to the editing session late, thinking I'm like Mr. Hollywood and shit like that, <laughs> and he gave me that look like, you know, this and this ain't it. And yeah. you know, I tried to like sweet talk it. You know, they ended up finishing the video and you know delivering it to the client, but. After that, he didn't answer any of my phone calls, wow. none of my text messages, wow. and I kind of realized what it was, you know? Yeah. And that was the first, like, got put on my ass or got humble moment, you know? It's always that humble moment. Right. Man. And it does two things. I With the proudest like, patent leather, though. <laughs> no fly. I still got them. No scuffs. Like, y'all know the patent leathers, bro. You, you could fight. You could party. You could fucking go to church. You could go to court. All of them in the same day. What? <laughs> Yo, RIP the Pradas, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that's how you knew the story was right. Everybody remember the pat leather, the hot tops. It ain't that bad. Like, you look at the Pradas. Right. So, that, yeah, I could say that was a, a humbling experience. And from that point on, I didn't even really get humbled after that. Because, you know, just in terms of like the video popping off and stuff like that, although I wasn't getting the $50,000, $70,000 budgets that I could have got down that tra- trajectory, right. I was still getting top tier budgets at that age. From a lot of like the independent local artists in the New York City area, so I'm shooting mm-hmm. videos: Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Manhattan, Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Newburgh, upstate. Like I was all over, mm-hmm. so I was really taking care of myself for a good year and a half. Mm-hmm. What started to happen was that a lot of artists started popping off with these popcorn type of budgets or videos and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I don't want to say any type of names because I want to say like the videos is bad and stuff like that, but. Artists started realizing, like, all right, I don't have to throw so much money into a budget yeah. when I could just get this that yeah, was shot on a phone yeah, or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. and get, like, three million views on video. That's true. I mean, on, on YouTube. So at that time, I felt that hit badly, yeah. you know? Absolutely. The budgets I used to get before started, you know, sizing down half to the point where I was, like, they was like, yo, you should just do it for free and for the exposure. I hate, I hate that term, it's for the exposure. <laughs> oh, right, right. I like, does exposure pay bills? But anyways, it's not a money <laughs> thing, it's about opportunities yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, that really like, trickled down and it was a really um, dry moment for me on the music video right. tier. Matter of fact, that's a good question though. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the balance between, and I think a lot of young entrepreneurs and creatives go through this, right? Mm-hmm. When, um, when does it get to the point where you're doing things for exposure, you're doing things for the network for free, mm-hmm. 
And when do you get to a point where you transition where you put a price for your work? Okay. I do believe part of the grind is doing stuff for free. Give, Giving before you take. Exactly. A very old Chinese art. You get your name out right. there or whatnot. But when do you feel as a businessman and coming up how you did is you have to make that transition where you put a price for your work? You got to know your ending before your beginning. Mm. And, you know, when it came down to when I was doing it, because I did it too, which is why I'm not knocking it when people are saying for exposure, but it, I knew... It was going to be a point in time. First of all, the reason why I was doing it for free is because I needed to build my portfolio. Absolutely. For me to even charge these prices, I needed something physically, kind of like the same story with the Bees and XP situation where I gathered the portfolio of the team members that I ended up working on that project and pitched right. that. Right. I was like, all right, cool. That was a light bulb right there. Like, in order for me to pitch my worth, I need to have that track record. Mm. So, you know, um, I remember I had read in a book, you know, and just in terms of like the Chinese art of giving before you take, you know, um, a lot of people want to take before they give. And you get a lot of the opportunities when you give before you take. But mm. that whole giving before you take, there's like a little gray area in between where you got to know when to switch it around. And I think once you understand your value and your worth and when that end goal is in your mind, in terms of when you really want to start transitioning from being a little homie to the big homie, mm -hmm. you know, that's when it's like you kind of know when that time is. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But to answer your question, timing. Mm. I agree. Um, now we can talk about um, like especially... So BXC is so multifaceted, uh -huh. and I know you guys started. I think I believe you guys started in film. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You started in film. That was the transition. Yeah, absolutely. How I met you though, I want to talk about how I met you uh -huh. was you being the platform for a lot of emerging artists out here, for a lot of emerging artists, uh, musicians out here. Right. Um, when did the transition from film? How well first talk about how you started in film, and when did the transition? film going to music and why you felt like that was a good idea all right cool so i mean back to like when we that that the dark age or the sophomore flop <laughs> that um d brought up so franz brought up so after that basically you know shooting the videos and when that whole industry slowed up i was getting ready to quit you know i was in a situation where i was like all right i'm gonna go this route which is more or less like the the cliche way of just how like my West Indian parents wanted me to live my life and stuff like that and just give up. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? The movie Inception had came out around the time, which phenomenal like, movie, phenomenal movie, and it re-sparked my whole passion towards film. Yeah. So I was so obsessed with the soundtrack from it, which is um, scored by Hans Zimmer, who's still killing it to this yeah. day. Thanks. And um, I was like, you know what? All of the videos that I did from 2000 to 2011, I'm gonna create a reel. And even up until now, if you guys check out BXE, like all of our reels that we do compilation-wise, we always have like a motivational feel to it and a title to it. Nice. So the first one that I did, it was called, um, damn, what the hell was it called? Motivation. Right. Sorry. It was called Motivation. So I took all of my compilations, all of my reels. I had an editor friend of mine that I still work with at the time. She's actually the head editor at um, MTV right now. But um, nice. I was like, you know, Tania, I need you to hold me down with this. You know, I only got like $200. You know, I've been holding you down with all these videos. I just need you to edit this reel and, you know, put your foot in. Mm -hmm. So she put her foot in. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put out this reel. And if I don't get the reaction that I want, then that's that. You know, I put all my all into it. That's that. So I ended up putting all my all into this reel and sending out an email blast. And I just kept on promoting it on Facebook. And, and um, Instagram wasn't really popping at the time. So it was just Facebook, just spamming the shit out of it. And um, my same cousin I used to hang with at SVA he had this producer friend of his that produced, he was, he was just basically like the golden child. They call him the golden kid because if you got him to produce your thesis film, he was definitely going to get an A. You may get nominated for a Dusty Award, which is like their Oscars for their school. And, you, you oh, know, so. you may get some distribution out of it or at least some awards and accolades out of it. Right. So he's like, yo, I need you to meet this producer whatever. So um, it just so happens that this producer, we used to hire the same people for our crew. So we heard of each other, but we never got like that formal meeting. So we ended up meeting and um, we hit it off from jump. You know, I, I didn't expect that this kid that was from like Smithtown, Long Island would understand this kid growing up Brooklyn and Queens, but we were just like the same person, mm -hmm. but different, you know, different upbringings and yeah, yeah. atmospheres and shit like that. And um, he ended up seeing the reel that I had put out there and stuff like that. And I, I guess it impressed him. So we, um, you know, we ended up just collaborating on projects from that point on and then uh, we had ended up getting this budget for this project. It was like $15,000 for it. And we were like, you know what? We, we're dealing with a lot of money in and out. The smart thing is to create a company. Mm. You know, we built like a trust while we create a company. So after going through so many different names, we ended up creating BNC, which is actually the original name of BXC. Mm. 
So uh, another lesson that you learn, if you ever start up a business, make sure you trademark your names, trademark your logos, mm-hmm. copyright everything. Because mm-hmm. we started a company, you know, we had this whole movement. We even started up a website, but we did not own the rights to the actual name yes. and the trademark. So we got screwed in the process, but ended up Get having that to... Yeah, so we had to basically restructure it, and it just so happens that our website, correct me, our website was BXC because BNC wasn't available. Uh, so when we saw our website was already BXC, we was like, why don't we just take that name? You know, the X kind of fits in, and it creates like this yeah. type of uh, intersection between both of our last names, which is Bailey and Cobley. Absolutely. So, you know, that's kind of like the conception of BXC Studios, which oh, started nice. by me and um, my business partner, John Cobley. Nice. So, you know, with that... We kind of leveled up. We built contracts with like a lot of like the major or independent brands. I would say like the Jersey and uh, Long Island, Suffolk area, and we mm-hmm. just basically just do like a lot of like their promotional material, their their um their viral videos, their commercials and stuff. And that's kind of like got our foot in the door. And some video- videos here and there, nice. that slowed up. Mm-hmm. So it, what happened? It was like all right, we looked at each other. We said like, all right, we could go two ways with this. We could either you know go our separate ways. Or we could try to make this work. So with every transition of BXC, and I remember you guys was at the, the press conference that we had, and we explained yeah, this. I remember. Right. Yeah, yeah. Every, every concept or every brand of BXC was created out of a problem. You know, yeah. we, we hit a, a wall block. We had to basically find a better solution, and it ended up being a business entity. The so art that, of the pivot. Right. <laughs> the art of the pivot. Skirt, skirt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's kind of like what created BXC Entertainment, which transitions into the question you had asked me earlier, how we got into more or less dealing with artists. Mm. So with that same change in the industry, when artists didn't have the budgets to produce music videos, we figured that the best way to kind of help them raise funds is through, how can I put this? the traffic of their fan base. So what that means is if you have 10 to 15 people that's willing to come out and see you perform at your concert, then that could translate into dollars that you could use to your budget for your music video. Mm -hmm. So we had started um, a circuit in 2013. We had partnered up with another camp and it was called um, the La Musica Tour. Remember that? Yeah, that was a La Musica Tour. You came to Stop 3, which is at Santos. But we started off at Club Element. Rest in peace, Element. (laughs) That that was a spot on, um, what was Element on? On Houston Street or whatever? Why are you looking at me, man? You look like a little thotty back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) You you was there on Saturday. It's like Caribbean fever. (laughs) You pull up, right? You pull up. I think I'll see you there. Put a (laughs) bye-bye. But uh, our first stop was there, and we used that circuit to basically help artists fund their music videos that were shot by BXC and... After that, what happened is the demand for us throwing events became so big. Like, they were like, yo, forget the music videos and stuff. We want to do another event with right, you guys because right. you guys did such a great job throwing these concerts. Dope events. So then, yeah. I never see myself being a promoter or a concert producer or exactly. Right, whatever right. you call me, never seen that. I just, I was going to be a music video director. Wanted right. to be like Hype Williams, Little X, Benny Boom. That's that. Right. You know, the Mark Romanex and those people, that's that. But then I ended up having a transition into this, and I actually came to love it. And um, I was watching this documentary. It's called The Way It Is by um, Jerry Weintraub. He was the guy behind like Elvis. I love that mm-hmm. documentary. HBO? Documentary. You haven't yeah. seen that? No, I haven't. Life Changer. You gotta watch that. It's like, a great documentary. No bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Right, I'm going watch it. <laughs> the Kid Stays in a Picture. That's a good one too. Oh, I haven't seen that but, one. But uh, that, that documentary inspired me because around that dark moment I had mentioned to you, D, I was going through like a bad breakup and shit. And I, I saw that documentary and it gave me life. It was like, yo... I could I could be Jerry Weintraub, which is you know multifaceted. He was a producer, mm. he was a, a tour promoter, he was a manager, Man. and you know he was just like that go to guy. Like he was a force, had, right? That person that you could just call. Trust. He's right. just like he was like. How do you even describe him, man? Like he was a dope dude. He actually that, that recently guy. passed away. You know, God rest his soul. But oh, um, I didn't even know that. God bless. Yeah, bless but uh, definitely, I would say the key thing that I got from him is just like in terms of just entertainment. If you want to stay in this business for a long time, it's obviously master your skill, but just also understand how to carefully diversify into different aspects of mm-hmm. it. Because I, what's up? Oh, I, now you want to cut you off, but you you did say a word that I was thinking of just now: diversification. And yeah. speaking of diversification of skills, like what were some of the skills that you used to transition into? Mm-hmm. You know, developing festivals, developing like because film production right. and Live production are two different beasts altogether. You know, with film, you can kind of sweep 
a good amount under the rug because right. people are only seeing the finished product. Whereas right. with live, it's live. So, so talk about some of those transitional and, and skills in diversifying. Right. That's a that's a great question. Um, I'd have to say when you said it, they are totally different. There are some aspects that are similar. Whereas with film, you know, you have to know how to delegate responsibilities. Same thing with a live event. You know, you guys have thrown events, I've thrown events, and the key thing that you know that makes an event a lot more successful is knowing that you could turn your left eye, but you know that the right side is being held down by your teammate and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and just knowing how to trust people. So I would say when it came down to the live event side of things, what really, really helped that whole aspect of just us, you know, being successful is the fact that um we knew, we, we kind of had like this subconscious aspect in terms of the team. like. John knew what I was thinking before I even said it. Mm -hmm. I knew what Chris was thinking before he even said it. I knew what Matt was thinking before he even said it. I knew what Jamie was thinking before he even said it. So it was just like this. I'm trying to find the right word to describe it. There's actually a term synergy. for synergy. Synergy. It's like this this synergy that comes with it. So any type of mastermind that we face, you know, we could conquer it. I mean, we'll have our ups and downs, but we'll be able to conquer it because the synergy is there. So it like it's no recipe to it. I mean, with us, we dove into it. Right. You know, the demand called us, and we was like, you know what? We're concert promoters now. You know, the calling is here, the stage needs us, let's do this. Okay. We, we've had our ups and downs with it, but we've been lucky to still be consistent. And each year, I guess you could say, kind of level up in terms of where we want to go with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just blessed and grateful, man. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, yeah, because I've... Um when I met you, it was predominantly music. Only time we started being friends and you know exploring and um, different avenues of business we, we we work in, I realized okay, is the film side of you, and you know you got to tell me about that. But then also recently, now you guys do the pro workshop and you right. guys are touring with that. So right. talk more about what that is and um, the different cities you've you've hit and the experience of what the um, BXE pro workshop. Cool, is. cool. I mean, it's just another transition. So with studios, we hit a wall block. It gave birth to BXC Entertainment. With entertainment, we hit a wall block. Right. You know, with um, venues in New York City, in terms of hip-hop based uh, genres, as you We're say, showing that love. they closed the doors on us. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that many venues that we can obviously have, you know, that same type of consistency and diversify the venues that we have it at. Right. And it started getting really slow. And, you know, I would say, and with the journey and stuff like that, but success is a journey. It's not a destination. It's 90% journey, 10% destination. So throughout this journey that we're still experiencing now that I love, um, BXC, we had a one-year anniversary party um, 2013. We had, did it at Light Space where we had, like, um, fire dancers. It was like an nice. aerial show. I've seen that. Uh, you know, uh, Bombay and Bacardi had sponsored it at the time. It was pretty fucking lit. Excuse me. But, um... The brand director for Bombay at the time, she ended up getting fired from that position that she had. And then um, she had another situation at Living Social, which is um, the group sharing company. Oh, okay. So we always kept in contact, like wherever she's at and stuff like that, she'll give us a call just to check in on the post. So she was like, hey, you know, Kyle and John, I see like behind the scenes, like because all our shoots and music videos or films that we did, we always have like behind the scenes photos. So she saw the behind the scenes photos and she was like, you know, I noticed that you guys have a knack for like special effects makeup. It would be so cool if you guys um, produced a class. So right then and there, like me, I would say with me and John, we have like a, a, a great yin and yang to it. Uh -huh. I'm more fire. He's more water. Gotcha. You know, in terms of like, if you want to put it in terms of element, I'm more like, go, 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 let's get it. He's more like, all right, let's... Figure this out. Let's see how it looks on paper. Right, right. You know, uh, it's one plus one equals two. Like, yeah. like that type of approach yeah, to you it. You need that balance. Right. It was, yeah. It's a great balance. So when it came down to that, I'm like, yo, let's, let's do this. Let's do that. He's like, you know, let me sit back. Let's let's think about this for a bit. So I think we had this conference with um, Liza. I think this is August. And then it just so happens around Halloween season, um, we finally decided to get this thing off of the ground. So we ended up producing a class for special effects makeup. We had a um, pretty dope guest speaker in that world. His name is Kevin James Burnett. He was like the head and key makeup for um, the Bold and the Beautiful, uh, General Hospital, like those, those type of soap operas and stuff. So he came and was our guest General speaker. Hospital, really? I'm not that crazy about soap operas, but I appreciate <laughs> the 35 seasons that it's on. Yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Check. Exactly. So uh, he was like our guest speaker. And we ended up selling like 40 tickets to that, you know, oh. on the first show. Wow. And, I mean, the first um, workshop. 
And that right then kind of like helped us kind of realize like, all right, we're on to something. Right. So like with the whole niche market of special effects, makeup and stuff like that, you got shows like um, Face Off, shows like Walking Dead, shows like True Blood, mm -hmm. uh, Game of Thrones that kind of spawn light to the specific niche market. Mm -hmm. And I would say the key thing, like a lot of people feel like, you know, you have to have this grand concept and get everybody. But I think niche is key. And um, specific and less is more. Mm -hmm. So with us, it's like we understand where our, our market is and we com completely stick to that. Now with the BXC Pro Workshop, we've diversified. Like we have classes in um, acting, camera and lighting, cinematography, photography. And um, we plan on continuously expanding. But the niche market that we started to realize is like there's like a certain group of people that are just dedicated fans towards something. Mm -hmm. And the special effects world, like it's still growing because... It's like this whole concept of like if CDs are going to be outdated versus streaming, which is kind of true and what's not. Mm -hmm. But with special effects, it's like is natural makeup versus CGI going to like kind of wither out and stuff oh, like that. Definitely. And you need it. Like it, it's never going to go. You can't mm -hmm. cheat human emotion. You can't cheat the bone structure and cheeks of somebody like... When I say cheap, basically a computer does not know it all. Yeah, you can't it, generate all of that stuff. Right. Some, some things have to have like... an. Art, artist touch. Right. It has to have that real touch, like yeah. that human touch to it and stuff like that. So that's the, the the great area of that situation that we're on. And we're like a pillar for that. Like we are fighting for that. Like we actually just got covered um Columbia and CUNY. They did like this joint venture where they were basically like going around like exploring arts and humanities. So they ended up covering our class last year in 2016. And I learned so much from it because I didn't know that like even in the movie The Godfather... Uh, Marlon Brando's chin. Hey, cotton. Yeah, that's nah. Right. He did cotton to to um audition, but the actual piece itself was an actual prosthetic piece that they put no, in. Oh, they made his chin. He, they made the chin. Oh, that's yeah. a prosthetic. So even like small little things like that are still needed. And CGI can't cheat that. So I'm realizing like you know what we're creating. We're not only helping people get affordable education, right. but it's hands on. You know, you have like the YouTube videos, which I'm a fan of because if you can't afford it or if you can't, if you don't feel like coming out, you know, do the YouTube videos. But some people need to have that face-to-face -face interaction and that's where we come in. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we started off in New York. This is 2015 Halloween season and the demand for us to come out of state just grew more and more because we'll get the emails about our New York classes and majority of our students are not even from New York. They're from New Jersey, Florida, Texas, uh, Cali, Toronto. Chicago and mm. people flying all over just to have be a part of these classes in New York. So we realized, all right, instead of us just having the classes here, we need to branch out, and it's, it's an amazing experience. I never thought a concept of the mind could take me out of New York City. You know, like, like I, you know, I had my jobs and stuff like that, or like a, a company paid for trip. Right. I would, I would leave, yeah, or like yeah. for my own personal thing, I would leave. But I never thought that my concept. You know, our concept as a team yeah. would be able to, you know, take me out of Queens or, you know, take me out of New York. So mm -hmm. that tour was amazing, man. We hit about seven seven cities. Um, touring isn't easy. You know, it's something that you dream to do, but, you you, you know, you go through the homesicks. You go through the whole getting annoyed with the people that you want to tour with because it's like, damn, I got to see you every fucking day. Yeah. But it, it also <laughs> makes the bond closer and stuff like that. And I yeah. would say, um, you know, <laughs> we got a lot more covered when it comes down to that. We're yeah. trying to go international with it, God willing. That's gotcha. fine. I want to backtrack a little bit because um, mm -hmm. I, I'd like to think of myself as a bit of a film buff. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what well, what are some of your? Uh, it, you mentioned the the scoring in um, Inception. Inception. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that jump started you to get back. What are some types of film or genres that you enjoy or, or directors who who, who kind of oh, puts man. that battery in your? Back? I love that question because I got so much, mm. so many. And I, I definitely study the game because of the fact, like, you know, off the record, I have a degree in nursing. Um, I'm a registered nurse by trade. Sweet. But the reason why I did that, because I made a deal with my mom. Like, I had a pretty rough lifestyle I used to live. And she's like, listen, I just need you to be in a position, God forbid, if something happens to me, would you be able to take care of your brother? Right. Go this route, get that degree, and then you can do whatever you want. So I did that. Mm -hmm. She's off my back, and I can do what I want to do now. Right. But um, Shout out to mom. Shout yeah. out to mom Dukes, Indeed. man. But back to the question at hand, I would say um, the films that inspire me, like so many. I'm a student of the game, man. Um, one of my favorite films is Children of Men. That's by Alfonso Cuaron. That's with uh, I think Clive. I've seen that. 
Clive Owen, Owen and Mandy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Jillian Moore. That's a really interesting concept for a movie, too. It is. It's a great concept. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. Um, in terms of the cinematography, it has one of the longest takes in terms of um, an actual scene in like the history of film. It's that, Citizen Kane, and a few other films. But that film... Citizen Kane is gummy. Yeah, that was a good film, too. But um, that's one of my favorites. I'd have to say Martin Scorsese. His films are pretty much a good majority of my favorites. One Not too crazy about because I don't like films where they use nigger or they you know they degrade us a little bit. Although I feel like he tried to make it authentic I, as it is I, in yeah, the time. I, you know but what? I'm, in, I'm in all about busting shots. I kind of it, it it definitely grates on it your nerves you, a bit because it's like yo we deserve a seat at the table. So it's like what but you at the same time I feel like there's just such an authenticity because you right. know like how we speak when we're around each other. You right. know what I'm saying? That's I, how they spoke yeah. when they was around. Cool. That's cool. But when you in the theater and you're next to your white friend and you hear it, it's like you get that little cringe. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. not okay. But great movie nonetheless. One of my top two favorite films is Casino and Goodfellas. Those mm, are indeed. top two films I can watch it over and over Monty and over. Goodfellas. And not get tired of it. Um, Michelle Gondry, I would have to say, is one of my favorite directors. He did um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. Like one of Jim Carrey's serious roles, which I think was like a really great film. Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Um... I would say in terms of black directors, I got to rock with F. Gary Gray. Mm. You know, I feel I like a lot of the stuff that he got off of the ground. Yeah. Gordon Parks, um, Martin and Marvin Van Peebles' work. Uh, Spike Lee, I, I appreciate him. You know, uh, met him a few times. It wasn't the best interactions, I would say. Same for me, which is interesting. Right. You know, I don't... about that after the air. Right, right. No, <laughs> we can speak about it on air because I'm, I'm going to get access again. Hey, but, man, um, look. Shout out to Spike. Spike is a great guy. Yeah, you know, I appreciate all of his work and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's ill. Talk about... Um, all right, somebody popping. You popping, ain't it? It's my bro, Travis. He called me Russell Stocks. <laughs> Yo, bro, make sure you're that's oh yo, that's the first phone call that we ever got. Yeah, my bad, yeah. my podcast is late. Nah, don't apologize. I think he pod- knows I'm on a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, man, yo. So I mean, that's that's interesting. So do do you spend a lot of your time like analyzing um, film? Like, does does that when you're watching movies, does your analytical side spoil the experience always, for you a little bit? Always, even. Especially with the workshops too, because I I wasn't too crazy about horror films and um, special effects makeup until we started producing the workshops. Like every workshop we have, I learned something. Where the point I could pick up a brush and you know do a, a nice little second degree or third degree burn. <laughs> but um, when I <laughs> when I watch the movies, I look at it more from that approach. And then from just like the director's eye, you always have that. Like I'm really keen in terms of like um character and story development. Mm. I'm all about that. Like even down to like the Tupac movie that recently dropped, I analyzed that film and I'd have to say with what they had and what they were able to do, I I feel it was good when it came down to that. Mm-hmm. Now there's other things in terms of what really happened, what didn't happen. Right. I wasn't there to really say like, all right, that was 100 percent not. But and that's I, I hadn't I heard seen it was it good. Yeah, I hadn't heard. seen it yet, but I that's that's not as bad as I had always. Been. Yeah, I wasn't. I don't think it's as bad as people say. They I felt I felt a little skeptical about it, and I'm I'm definitely gonna watch it soon and, and go support it, but mm-hmm. um. The thing is, it's kind of like with, with music video producers, like you're used to telling a, a story and it's not even like, sometimes it's a full story, right. but you're really used to telling a story in like two minutes, 30 seconds. You right. know what I mean? Right. And, and you're only really giving a facet of it. Um, as somebody who shot music videos, what is um, what are some dynamics that you picked up there that you feel that is transferable? And 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 I'm asking in the vein of kind of like a Michael Jackson, like his 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 film his videos were kind of films. Like, yeah, well, what, what are some things that are kind of like you know transferable in, in that vein, or or what are some things that aren't? Um, well, I said the one thing that isn't is the rules. Now with music videos, the way I described it, um, Little X had did an interview, and I heard him say it, and I'm like, yo, he's so right. But when it comes down to uh, when music videos like Streetball. And when it comes down to commercials, it's like college ball. But when it comes down to films, it's the NBA. Mm. In terms of like the rules, the budgets, the deadlines, the pressure that you have to deal with in terms of like the money that's on top of the project and stuff like that. The the chain of command is totally different. So I would definitely say like that's why a lot of music video directors don't transition well into film. Mm. Because they use that whole music video approach to the film world mm. and it, it doesn't really transition well. Maybe now it's a little bit different, but I know like up until probably like 2008, 2009, 
it was very hard to make that transition. Like, we got brothers like Benny Boom, who I would say did it very well. He transitioned well. Anthony Mandler, mm-hmm. um, Mark Romanek, Michelle Gondry, who mm-hmm. I, I mentioned to, he was a great music video director. But, like, the people that I really hold close to my heart haven't really transitioned that well. You know, mm-hmm. like, the little... I wouldn't, let me not say him, but Hype Williams, I have to say. That was like one of my tragedies because I think with Belly is like hey, one of yo, my favorite films. Belly has the illest intro scene of all time. That's Cinematography. Okay, so Belly cool. I'm glad you brought that, that up. Shit is I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so with music videos, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about art direction, set design, and that performance shot, which is like, all right, you could have a story about this person, like, let's put Jesus Walks, for example. Like, you know, it's three different storylines, mm-hmm. but it was that one performance shot with Kanye going off and it's the fire in the back. Yeah, like, yeah. that's what sticks out in your mind. With a music video director, we put so much emphasis on that and when you try to bring that into film and not really tell a story, you see like the little gaps here and there. So, think about it. The, our favorite scenes out of Belly are probably the best performance shot setups that a music video director could put I up. I see what you're saying. So like that whole like, it's scene. It's almost like a music Keisha, video. Right. The Keisha scene when they had her like in the dark, like yeah. that dark serene lighting and she mm-hmm. was like very oily, which is what they put on the video vixens to make them look a lot more voluptuous very and stuff oily. like that. Like you can see those attributes transition, but in terms of like the little fine tunings as to why Nas went to Africa or, you know, uh, DMX's relationship with the Don Dada, like that should have been built a little bit more and more. Well, like in that little thing, gray areas. It's, but and, and and then here's another thing I wanted to jump into. Mm-hmm. So in that vein, is is it really kind of like the director or is it kind of like the story? Because you're you're as a director, you're kind of your job is to to kind of extrapolate the the vision from the story. Mm-hmm. But is it is it fair to say that that's something that's a director issue really? When you only have so much story to work with. It's a music video director to a film director issue is what, uh, that's where we kind of started the question from. Now, in terms of if we're going to analyze Belly as Spike Lee as a director, just leave it in that category, then yeah, we could dissect that a little bit different. But what I'm saying is the skills that you get from music videos into actual films, some are transferable, some aren't. And I would say the thing about being so keen about performance shots and like that, that magnum opus of that type of shot, bringing that into film. It's a lot more other aesthetics that go into it aside from that. You got to understand with music videos, it's a visual um, medium. So you got the visuals and then the artist's track is the soundtrack to it. Now with film, you're dealing with different personalities, people that got to understand their dialogue, blocking, um, feedback in terms of character direction. So me and you having a conversation, our timing of how we have the conversation, how it's cut. Mm -hmm. Me as a director, I have to ensure that that flows well. You don't have to deal with that in music videos. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of other things too. But... Some things are transferable, some aren't. Right. And we, we um, what I want to ask too, why this, I feel like this question is even dope, but we ask all of our guests this question mm-hmm. is um, what drives you, right? Because with BXC, what I see with BXC, the reason why I think it's dope and I always commend you when I see you is because y'all consistency, the way y'all keep going, I just love it. It's very inspiring. Y'all doing some really dope things and Thank y'all you, do bro. it with quality. Mm-hmm. Um, what drives you? What wakes you up in the morning and keep going even when you took that loss, when you was going through your depression, when you have your highs and your lows? Mm-hmm. What, what drives you to keep going, keep creating, keep creating these spaces through your company, keeps you going every day? I'd have to say, damn, so many, so many definitions to that or so many answers to that question and I'll probably say all nine or 20 of them. But um, the main thing I'd have to say is family. Um, I'd have to say it's doubt. I'd have to say it's, you know, I have a daughter on the way. You know, I have a kid on the way. So God bless. You know, the kid is not even here yet. And it, I, see, I feel the changes in terms of like what priority is and what I have to do and what I can't do. Like back in the day, I'll get an opportunity. I'll be like, oh, I will deal with that shit tomorrow I'll deal with it later. Now it's like assertiveness. I need to get it done now, 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 because tomorrow's not promised, and then there's somebody else that's relying on me. Two people that's relying on me. So that that's what um gives me that drive. Um, but I'd have to say if we're gonna like narrow it down, it has to go back down to the foundation. It's those people, specifically my grandmother, mm. who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. You mm. know, when I think about it all the time. She passed away. We're going on, what, like 10, it's 20, what years now? 2017? Mm. We're going on probably 10 years. And I mm. still get very emotional thinking about it because I'm like, yo, damn, what the hell did you see in me that I didn't see in myself? Mm. But mm. cool. You know, you gave me that green light. I'm out the gate. But I would say just like that thought process and the words and the encouragement that she gave me at one of my lowest moments and stuff like that where I had no direction in life drives me too. That's what it is, man. Yeah. That's what it is, yo. 
Yeah, we're more than honored to have the God uh, Kyle Bailey. Definitely, bro. On the Mons podcast, man. Definitely. Y'all definitely um, uh, look out for more of his works. Tell the people where they can find you on your socials or where they can find your work. Okay, you could, well, on social media, I'm Kyle Bailey HD, Kyle Bailey LMG, BXC Entertainment, BXC Studios, BXC Pro Workshop, or you could go to our website, bxcstudios.com. That's currently under construction, so our new site that's going to be dropping in August is going to be www.bxcmedia.co. There you go. <laughs> Fire. There you go. Fire. You already know. Thank you guys Yo, for Kyle, having me, man. Thanks for coming through. You, you know, know can, I, can I just say a little something about this, what you guys are doing, though? Uh, please. You know, please. before we shut it down, <laughs> I just want to say, in terms of what you brothers have going on right now, right? I was talking to Franz a little bit about this. Uh, I think you, uh, Trav, a little bit off the record, is um, you guys are giving the roses, while people could still smell it. And, you know, I, I noticed with some of these podcasts that are out here, and they're all doing great jobs, but it's like, all right, you guys put in the work. What accolades you have? You know, who did you work with? What awards do you have? And then we invite you on. Mm-hmm. But you guys are hitting that post where you're seeing people about to achieve those type of things where, you know, you guys can even double back. Y'all can get the Kyle Bailey HDs, part twos, the part threes. Mm-hmm. When I do get those accolades that, you know, some other platforms may feel and, Stuff, stuff like this is like to me is my accolade. It's like my Academy Award. It's like my, you know, um, Oscar or Grammy, mm-hmm. whatever you may want to call it. Because right then and there, it's like, all right, boom, I'm putting in all this hard work. I'm not asking for no, you know, handout or no recognition. But the fact that you guys are seeing it and stuff like that, it makes me want to go back to the to the trap or the band or wherever, or the, the the office and put in more work. Because mm-hmm. like, boom, people are watching, the people are noticing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have to say. Outlets like this are essential to the industry, and you know I appreciate you guys, and thank you guys for hmm. having me and stuff like that. And you know, you know, anytime you guys need me to come up and talk some shit, I'll, I'll <laughs> <say>. <laughs> definitely. Appreciate hey, it. man, yo, the love is mutual, the respect absolutely. is is, is absolutely that, there. And you know, just what, again, we want to thank you for coming through and absolutely and with for the, and with the Jameson too. Guys oh, absolutely, man. Songs. You know what I'm saying? Who <laughs> is deep? Yeah. Life goes in every station. Yeah, yes, probably have some more shots off the record, but uh, thank all you facts, guys. All cats. Driven minds. My yeah, brother. man. So like we always say at this time, stay driven. Yo. Stay driven. Stay yo. driven. Stay driven.